Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. A San Antonio district judge resigns after a federal corruption probe. A former San Antonio, Texas judge goes to federal prison after pleading guilty to accepting bribes in exchange for rigging cases in his court. Angus McGinty committed the ultimate judicial sin. Why did you do it? I did it because I was foolish. Listen to How to Bribe a Judge on RevolverPodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I fucking love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that for next. Big job there from Duffy and Brett Mears. They're a couple of absolutely self-involved bullshit artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Well, when most of you woke up on Saturday morning, you were acutely aware of who Kenny Florian was. You might not have known the name Joaquin Buckley, but I fucking bet you do now. It's Sunday, October 11th, 2020. Good morning to you. Episode 271 of the Anik and Florian podcast. So Ken Flo has been working overtime for BattleBots, big TV stuff for Ken Flo, barely has a voice, and here he is, 8.34 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, or Pacific Time, I should say, on a Sunday morning. What a good egg getting up for the Anakin Florian podcast. Clearly, your priorities are in line. <laughs> What's up, boys? It's great to be here. I, uh, you know, I've experienced this maybe once or twice. You experience this, what, like uh, every other weekend? So- well, yeah, I, I, I am no used excuse. to sitting in the podcast chair, half in the bag, three sheets to the wind in search no for cliche. <laughs> but we got a lot of a lot to get to today. Obviously, UFC fight night, Marais versus Sanhagen is in the books. We also have uh, not just a knockout of the year front runner, but a knockout that is being widely talked about as one of, if not the singular greatest knockout in UFC history. So uh, with respect to Corey Sanhagen, Kenfo, let us start with Joaquin Buckley. Over Impa Kasanganai, happy that we told you how to pronounce that name a week ago on the Anakin Florian podcast. But what about this knockout flow for Joaquin Buckley? Uh, and how do you sort of contextualize it here about 24 hours later? 
Uh, it's simple. Uh, Kung Fu shit. That's what it was. It was yeah. Kung Fu shit. Dude, yeah. uh, it, it was amazing. You know, um, it was brilliant stuff. We forget that, you know, a lot of the UFC fighters, they got two legs. If you catch one, they still got one other one that they could throw. Um, you, you see it sometimes in Taekwondo or karate tournaments, and you know, you might see it in, in some kind of fancy fight movie. You go, that would never work. I mean, that, that come on, that's not realistic. Yeah, it does work. Um, the timing, the speed, the power, the accuracy uh, was a thing of beauty, man. Um, you know, his opponent, which who I still can't pronounce his name, <laughs> uh, caught his leg and he just went for it through that spinning back kick straight away, went right down the pipe and just froze him. Um, it, it was it was unbelievable. Um, and I mean that in a, a non killing the other guy kind of way. Right. Right. And yeah. Joaquin Buckley had a moment with Dana White after the fact and was almost brought to tears by all of that. Just an incredible moment for this kid. And I hate to keep saying, oh, this is what this sport is all about. But it really is right. Effectively changes his life forever uh, with one kick. Uh, and who knows to what extent he thought it could be devastating, but it certainly was for Impa Kasanganai. So in terms of putting this in context, right? So mm -hmm. I believe when the UFC did its top 100 knockouts or whatever it was, that the number one knockout was Anderson Silva against Vitor Belfort. And when you lay down the backdrop, of the stakes of that fight. Sure. I think it's hard to argue against that front kick uh, to Vitor's grill with the belt on the line. And Vitor, I think at that time on an incredible run, right? Yeah, For they were me, both in their peak, right? Right. I mean, but it's Edson Barboza against Terry Adam. I thought, and I say this, I shouldn't even say this lightly, but, you know, I thought there was an attack on the arena in Rio de Janeiro when I, when Edson Barboza landed that on Terry Adam because I was in the back of the arena and then I saw the highlights, so I didn't see it live. I've never seen a knockout like that. I'm not sure I'll ever see one since. So for me, Barboza still is number one. But, yeah. man, if Joaquin Buckley is not right on his heels. It, it was insane. You know, you're talking about a lot there. You know, were the stakes as high as Anderson Silva and Vitor Belfort? Was there a championship on the line? Were these two guys who are two big names uh, who were really at their peaks? No. Okay. But as far as the technical execution of it, um, how spectacular it was, um, how shocking it was. It's right up there. I mean, geez, is it better than Edson Barbosa's tough? I'm not even asking. It's you to really tough question. Honestly. It's I'm really tough. It's really tough. But when I think about it, cause I have been thinking about it probably since yesterday, because that's the big thing. You know, everyone, they see this new knockout. This yeah. is the greatest ever. Yeah. It might be. I mean, it's it's <laughs> yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. It, it really is. It's fantastic. Um, here's why it's so good. Uh, on top of that, it, the fact that these are the techniques and these are the moves that bring fans into the fight. Literally, if you've never watched a UFC fight and you see this, yeah. you go, wait a sec. They're throwing this shit in mixed yeah. martial arts? This is actually possible? Right. Like, I'm going to tune in. That's the kind of – it does that. Number two. It steps up everybody's game in mixed martial arts because then everybody else knows who fights, goes, oh, shit, this is possible. Maybe we're not crazy if we start trying these things. So basically it, it just opens up the floodgates for all the fighters, for all the fans, um, and it takes the sport to the next level, right? Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. like when you saw Anthony Pettis jump off the cage and land a shot against uh, Henderson, it's – these are things that I think take the sport to the next level in a lot of different ways, both in bringing in fans and stepping up the games, the technical games of the fighters themselves. You played soccer at Boston College. You did so well. Can you execute that kick or no? I think I can. I, I think I can. Right now, I'd pull at least 
uh, eight hammies if right. I if I did. Right. Yeah, but uh, I I do it. Give you thirty minutes to stretch, and we'll see what <laughs> what you can do with that Joaquin Buckley. Kick. Oh, but, dude. Uh, I don't have to tell you that uh, he was he received a fifty thousand dollar bonus. I wouldn't be su- surprised if discretionarily uh, more is coming the way of Joaquin Buckley. But let's get into headlines and this main event between Corey Sandhagen and Magic Marlin Mudice. It seemed as though Corey Sandhagen was pleasantly surprised that he got this opportunity against the number one contender. And man, did he make the most of it? There have not been all that many spinning wheel kick knockouts in UFC history, and and this one goes to Corey Sandhagen, one hundred three into round. Too. And uh, Aljamain Sterling, I think, is still going to get the championship opportunity against Piotr Jan. But this puts Sandhagen on the short list of top guys at 135 and couldn't have done it with more style points last night. Yeah, and if you look at Corey's last fight, I, I mean, it just did not go well for him. Uh, he was in a big spot. Uh, this really was a fight against Aljamain Sterling to determine really who was going to get that next shot, right? Uh, didn't go well. He gets finished in the first round. Gets another opportunity to fight a main event um, against a guy, Moraes, who is an absolute beast. It's a very dangerous fight. Um, and he had, you know, could have gone 0-2 here. I mean, he couldn't have performed any better. You know, with all the pressure on him, he did as much as possible to erase that loss against Sterling. Um, I don't think that's going to yeah. go away just yet. People are still going to remember that. But, I mean, as far as going out there and really outclassing a guy like Marlon Moraes. I mean, there's not a whole lot of people who can do that. And there's not a whole lot of people who can finish him within two rounds. That, that was just an unbelievable performance. You're absolutely right. And you're right in terms of distancing himself from that epic, for lack of a better word, Aljamain Sterling loss. Couldn't have done much better in terms yeah. of accomplishing that mission. I love the length. I mean, people are going to look to you to talk more about the physical maybe than me. As far as the mental is concerned, huge pressure spot for, for Corey Sandhagen. I mean, let yes. us not overstate how much pressure there was on that man. Yes, he was favored, but all of a sudden you go from being perfect in the UFC to potentially losing back-to-back to Sterling and Madison, and the whole career trajectory changes. So Sanhagen yeah. now has beaten the number one contender. He, he's firmly in the mix, and, and I'm just as impressed with the mental as I am the physical. But physically, Kenny, I thought he moved really well, uses his length, has a great jab. I mean, Christian Allen has, has worked wonders with this kid. What would you think of the technical performance out of Corey Sanhagen? Yeah, I think in my tweet, I called him silky smooth because, you know, not only does he throw everything in the book, I mean, he throws a lot of different variety at you. Um, He does it at a very high level. Um, He he really can do it all. And he's tall. He's lanky. He makes it look easy. He's very calm. He can fight in the pocket. He can go backwards. He he shows nice lateral movement, Um, you know, whether it's elbows, punches, knees, uh, kicks, takedowns. This is a guy who really possesses a tremendous amount of skill in a lot of different areas. Uh, and while Moraes was looking good in the first round as well, I thought it was very smart by Sanhagen to force Moraes or at least lure Moraes into uh, utilizing uh, basically a lot of techniques of throwing a lot and kind of getting him into this high pace exchange. I think Moraes is the kind of guy who starts hot and then slows down as the fight goes on. It being a five-round fight, I thought, when you look at the overall strategy, it was brilliant. Uh, It didn't need to go that long. Uh, Sanhagen was just too good. He was mixing things up. I thought Moraes really started to lose confidence after that first round. 
So I think San Hagen now might be one win away from a championship opportunity. All indications are it's going to be Piotr Jan in title defense number one against Aljo in December. But for Corey Sandhagen, he did mention Frankie Edgar and TJ Dillashaw. I don't know if those were callouts necessarily. Perhaps they were, but he mm-hmm. did mention those two high-profile names. But again, there are opportunities galore for Sandhagen. I don't know if Dominic Cruz has the appetite for the fight, but seemingly anybody that he would want to fight now will will willingly fight him because he's probably going to have a number two next to his name. Definitely. And what I liked about it is, uh, you know, he's not just calling out anybody. He's calling out a legend, Frankie Edgar, and he's calling out another former champion, TJ Dillashaw. So I I like that. You could see that his confidence is riding high. um, And and this is a very dangerous man. Uh, I again, I do believe he will get his title shot again. Perhaps it will end up being a rematch against Aljamain Sterling, which I think will make it all all the more juicy. Uh, But either way, this is a guy who uh, has put it all together and has come back from a devastating loss to an unbelievable win. And again, I said it sort of off the top of the breakdown, but he didn't maybe understand just how highly the UFC thought of him so much so to give him this main event showcase on Fight Island against the guy in Mudice who at least on paper had the number one next to his name and Corey Sandhagen Uh, really good kid and really feel good for a guy who has devoted so much of his life to uh, to mixed martial arts and UFC success and and I think he's going to have a whole lot of it Uh, speaking of dangerous men how about Edson fucking Barboza Uh, can we find a spot in the modern era of the UFC Hall of Fame for this guy, right? I mean, we mentioned the knockout of Terry Edom off the top, but when you look at this body of work and this performance against uh, a very dangerous in some respects, Makwan Amir Khani, albeit overmatched, uh, just another feather in the cap uh, in a career full of, of big wins for Edson Jr. Barbosa. Not, not only am I impressed by the fact that this guy has made 145 pounds twice, yeah, uh, but yeah, he looked sharp out there, man. He had a, you know, he had an opponent change relatively late uh, and uh, went out there. I thought he was uh, pretty methodical. I thought he really picked uh, Amir Khani apart. Um, and uh, I, I thought he did a great job um, both on the feet and, and on the ground. Did a decent job on the ground of getting back to his feet when he could, of attacking some submissions. I thought he was going to finish that fight in round two. Um, that was a very tight front choke that I thought he was going to pull off, but yeah. Um, yeah, no, he looked really, really good. Amir Khani, you know, seemed a little confused out there. Um, at the end of the fight was kind of raising his hands up. I was like, you know, I didn't see him winning any rounds, so I was kind of confused by that. So it was a dominant performance by Barbosa. Uh, you know, one judge even had him winning 30, 26. Um, so it it was great. I mean, knocked him down what twice in that round, uh, I believe. Yeah. Yep. 30 to 26 on one of the judges scorecards, then a 30 to 27 and a 29, 28. And I give Amir Khani credit for taking a short notice opportunity against Edson Barboza. He had just competed on fight Island a couple months prior, but man, Barboza, I just felt like was on a totally different level. And you were so convicted in this. And I know we're not going to divulge sort of your, uh, your, your, your gambling, uh, winnings over the weekend, (laughs) but you said to our audience that you, thought that maybe you sort of insinuated that Barboza maybe should have been minus 400 and he was in that minus 250 range. So you certainly saw yeah. the value and I'd imagine capitalized. So. Yeah, I was really surprised by that. Um, you know, I, I think Barboza has been doing this a very long time. Um, there's not a whole lot of guys who aren't going to come from a, a high level back, a high level wrestling background. They're going to put him on his back repeatedly and pressure him like let's say the other Habib Nurmagomedovs or, you know, the Justin Gaethje's or whatever, you know, where he kind of struggled against. Um, 
I didn't think Amir Khani was that guy. He's not that dude. Um, I think he's a tough guy and, and he, he did his best, but, um, I like that fight for Barbosa. He ended up pulling it off and did it off, uh, did it uh, relatively easy. A couple other nights on this UFC fight night. And then before we bring on Ray Longo, I, I do want to get a couple thoughts from you on Dustin Poirier, Conor McGregor, really just in terms mm. of, of the competitive nature of that fight. If indeed it is made before we close the book on 2020, did you see the heavyweight fight between Marcin Tabora and big Ben Rothwell by chance? I know your schedule has been tight. I did. I did see, uh, I did so, see that fight. Marcin Tabor, right? New haircut. Okay. New tan, look like a natural tan, look cardiovascularly to be in much better leaner. shape. I mean, this, yeah, I mean, yeah. this was a, yeah. I don't know if vintage is the right word, but this was a much better effort out of Marcin Tabora than we have consistently seen in the UFC. And I, I don't know if he was uh, buoyed by what Jan Bohovich did a couple of weeks ago, mm. his fellow uh, Poland guy there. But, you know, I thought after Big Ben Rothwell got off to a great start, it was all Tabora from there. And, uh, I don't know. I just think if the if the motivation and the hunger and the desire maybe aligns with the skills for Tabora, he could be something here. You know, I couldn't agree more. I thought uh, Marcin actually looked like he wanted to be there. He, he was fighting. There. Yeah, he was fighting with passion. Um, he was mixing things up. You know, a lot of times we'll see Marcin and, and you know, he kind of gets in there and it's almost like he's in a sparring match. You know, you, you're kind of you're like, you know, you come on, you can do more, do, you know, get busier. And he never really shows up, it seems. Um, but yeah, this is a guy uh, who I thought um, wanted to be there. He was trying to win the fight the whole time. He was taking the fight to Ben Rothwell. And, um, you know, unfortunately for Ben, I, I thought that uh, he kind of got beat up, really. I mean, Marcino only got stronger as the fight went on, and um, I thought it was a great win for him. Ben Rothwell is a guy, another guy who's been doing this a long time, has a ton of experience. He's a tough dude, and getting a win over that guy shows that uh, he's kind of arrived or maybe uh, come back. Come back, yeah. And for Ben Rothwell, I think he made his pro debut when our – podcast producer Cody Merrow is like six years old. So he's certainly been <laughs> at this for a while. We also congratulate the other two bonus winners, Tom Breeze and uh, Philadelphia's Chris Dockett. What a right hand from Tom Breeze. And, and Chris Dockett's now brother Kyle, I think is destined for greatness as well. But Chris Dockett's off to a shiny two and start in the UFC's heavyweight division and a uh, $50,000 bonus for him. All right. So it appears as though Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier are going to rematch. Now, I don't know when it is going to happen. There are a lot of hurdles and obstacles and challenges when it comes to any Conor McGregor fight, it does seem a little bit weird in a COVID-19 climate, granted, but to trot Conor McGregor out at the UFC apex in a 25-foot octagon with no crowd just seems super weird. But clearly he wants to compete, uh, and clearly the Poirier fight makes a lot of sense competitively. Uh, what do you think about that fight and how it would be relative to their meeting back at UFC 178? Okay, let, let me address the the second question first. Okay. Um, there's a lot to unpack there. Okay, so how would the fight go, and is it a fight that makes sense right now? Absolutely, it's a fight that makes sense, okay? And then as far as the fight itself, would it be competitive? I really think it would. Um, I do think that if you look at Dustin Poirier now compared to when they fought, uh, which was at 145 pounds right, back then, right. um, Dustin Poirier is like, two Dustin Poirier's removed from that right. fight, right? I mean, he's like a completely different dude. First of all, there's the Dustin that moved up to 155, which I already th thought was a better decision. And then there's like the mature Dustin Poirier from even that moment. Uh, the guy who, you know, is beating Justin Gaethje and, you know, rematch Eddie Alvarez. And, you know, it's just, 
it's amazing what that guy has done with his career. Talk about turnarounds. I mean, he is an absolute savage. He loves to fight. He continues to get better. This is a guy who wants to be there. I think he deserves the money. Um, so he's in a completely different spot than where he was back then. I think it would be one hell of a fight. Yeah. All that said, Conor McGregor in his prime is going to be tough for him to beat. Now, if Dustin is mixing things in with takedowns, I think Dustin's going to have the better ground game in a lot of ways. Um, I, I still think striking wise, he may uh, struggle a little bit with Connor, but it's a way more competitive fight. And there's no doubt that Dustin is capable of winning that fight. I truly believe that. I, I think Dustin's good enough where he could actually finish that fight. Um, but, uh, you know, again, Connor at his best is super sharp and really tough to take out. Um, but we shall see. I hope that fight happens. Now, a couple things. You know, you mentioned, you know, the lack of crowd and how the UFC, you know, is going to be hesitant to put him in there. This is where this is where the problem uh, happens, right? Because Conor wants to make Conor McGregor money. But at the same time, the UFC is like, yeah, we'll pay you Conor McGregor money, but we don't have a crowd right now. So either you have to take a pay cut and just fight right now um, or you got to wait and make your Conor McGregor money when we get these crowds back. So it's a tough situation to be in. Uh, you know, I don't know. uh if the UFC is really serious about putting that fight on right now during this time, but they need something. I, I think, I think it would kind of help, um, you know, bring in a lot of the fans that Connor brings in. I, I think it would ultimately be worth it. Can they pay him what he normally gets? Probably not. And for Connor, he's got to realize at the same time, Hey dude, all right, you made 90 million against Mayweather. That's probably not going to happen again. Uh, unless I don't know, some other big boxing match comes on. You're in your prime. Fight. This is what you do best. Remember the time when you were, you know, on food stamps in Ireland. Just, you know, take a little bit of a pay cut to fight so you can kind of stay sharp, stay ready, and then get that Habib fight or whatever fight you want down the line. And the Manny Pacquiao fight just doesn't do anything really for Conor McGregor legacy-wise unless he no. wins. I don't love right. that matchup for him in a boxing realm. But – I have been banging the drum about Conor McGregor and his mixed martial arts legacy and how deeply I believe him to care about that. So this would certainly dovetail with that opinion. Now, again, at the end of Conor McGregor's career, I will either eat crow or I will have been right. He will have come back and tried to prolong this mixed martial arts career. I believe we sit here October of 2020 and he has one UFC lightweight win against Eddie Alvarez. All the rest at 145 or 170 pounds. So the question beckons for me for this fight, does it happen at lightweight? Because that's what makes it most interesting for me and makes the stakes most relevant that this would happen as a true title eliminator at 155 pounds with respect to, to Ferguson and Khabib potentially yeah. getting two fights with Gaethje if there's an immediate rematch and all of that. But I think it's very exciting that these two men uh, want to fight each other. And uh, I don't know. I think with the pageantry, it would be more festive on Fight Island in a 30-foot octagon than at the UFC Apex. But hopefully... It'll be done in 2020. Seems like that is Connor's desire that it will happen before they close the book on this year. So I hope so, man. I, I hope so. And I agree with everything you said. And again, I think he kind of needs to put the Habib match aside. I just don't think that's going to happen. I don't think Habib wants to fight him in a rematch. Number one. Um, and I think if Habib beats Gaethje, he'll take one last fight against GSP and say goodbye. Um, right. You know, right. and he deserves it. This right. guy can call the shots undefeated at that at that point yeah. after Gaethje. I mean, shit, right. you do what you want, right. man. He deserves it all. So, um, you know, I think at this point, uh, this would be a fight that would be 
huge, uh, both for the UFC and for Conor McGregor. I think it'd be, be one where y- you have to give Conor his respect if he gets that. He already deserves respect, but oh. I think people are kind of saying, hey, you're fighting at 170. You fought a, you know, uh, a Cowboy Cerrone who's on the decline. You know, I, I think this would be a great fight. Oh, and if you beat Dustin Poirier for a second time and you do it in 2020 and you beat this refined version of the diamond at 55, 60, 65 or 70, uh, that's big, big for for Conor McGregor or anyone. All right. Well, we all know 2020 has been a little nuts, but that doesn't mean you should disregard yours. See, Manscaped is on a mission to take care of your manhood with their below the waist grooming and hygiene products. And we have good news, by the way, for our international listeners and viewers. They have now released their product in the UK, Canada, and Australia. Now, as many of you know, Manscaped has changed the way I go about my routine, my hygiene. No longer am I using the same trimmer on my face as I use down there now that I got my lawnmower 3.0. Waterproof technology on this lawnmower, by the way. And Manscaped has now also just released the Crop Care Kit, which includes all sorts of products, including ball wipes, actually, Ken Flo. How about that? Always got to be prepared. Foot deodorant, body wash in that bundle as well. And these formulations, folks, are all vegan, cruelty-free, dye-free, sulfate-free, and paraben-free. So you know you're in good hands with Manscaped. And if you're not there yet, now is the time to get in on the Manscaped craze. Get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com AF. No promo code required. Go to manscaped.com AF for 20% off and free shipping. Manscaped.com AF. All right. Longo's wake-up call came in on a Sunday morning. Let's see if he answered it. Let's get to Ray. It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Well, we respect all the audio-only Anik and Florian Podcast fans out there, but on a day like today... You gotta do video as our producer Cody Merrow just bangs a shot live on the air because he owes two of them to us today. But Ray Longo's lettuce is going every which way but sideways. And I would think you gotta make your way over to the Anakin Florian Podcast YouTube channel today, if for no other reason than to check it out. Good morning, Raymond. How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing okay, but my hair is doing great, buddy. So, uh, well, it's, it's always good to see you. Did you have, did you have any post fight obligations last night? Well, you know, I'm afraid to say yes, because I think you might get rid of me again. You no, might no. Just hang up on me. So this is, becoming can, we like ma- a, can we be mature about this? Oh, well, this is becoming like a weekly thing. <laughs> only the early, <laughs> only the early shows. I can't do the late shows. Okay. All right. Yeah, the early shows. Cause I mean, it's early. All right. Hence the early shows. All right. We're just information gathering here at the beginning of the yeah. Ray Longo Minute. This week. <laughs> speaking, like, of, yeah. speaking of information gathering, what the hell is hanging from your ceiling? What is that, banana? <laughs> what is that? What is that thing? Oh, shit. That's the moon. It's night over here. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, that's cute, Ray. I like that. I know. Some of the things were put up when my kids were, my kids were young and they never came down again. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm only kidding. That's actually mine. Gotcha. <laughs> so, uh, so well, it's good to see you. And I don't say this trying to be funny, but for those that did not ingest your work 
on Facebook last night talking about San Hagen and Marais and, and the Joaquin Buckley knockout. We're excited to have you for our uh, audience. Um, where would you like to start? How about that Joaquin Buckley knockout? I'd imagine you could do that on your best day, but he did it in a live yeah. UFC setting, which is pretty impressive. I'm going to say the craziest, by far the craziest knockout I've ever seen. Wow. No, it came out of nowhere, too, you know, Kenny, because everybody catches the kick, holds it for a little bit. But, wow, I mean, just the fact that he, he – the sound of it off the front of a guy's face, too, was crazy. Normally that's off the – the side of your, your noggin, you know what I mean? This thing just, he generated some pop with that, man, like a mule. It's like getting kicked by a horse, you know? But uh, it really, that that was crazy, man. I thought it was a crazy, crazy knockout. Kenny, you know what's funny, man? Everybody after that fight that caught a kick, did you see how quickly they dropped that fucking thing? They were like, yeah. <laughs> that, that imprint was in their head, you know? Dude, I'm telling you, exactly. These are the kind of techniques I was saying earlier that kind of will change the game because people oh, are going to yeah. start thinking twice about catching that kick or parrying that kick even because it was a devastating shot. And I also think about this. Imagine if that was in Vegas with a full crowd. Oh, the roof would have blown off the place. Yeah. I mean, they would have been – they would have gone ballistic. You know, it's funny because Marab, when he got on to the uh, when he got into the UFC with, with Dana uh, Dana White's looking for a fight, he knocked out Rafael Sats with similar. He could he caught his kick and he just hit him with a spin back fist. But the the degree of difficulty and yes. accuracy with that is just that just came out of nowhere and that was like wow. And the way the guy went down, like every everything about it, it wasn't like he just did it and the guy kept coming forward. He ate it. Oh, man, he just froze him. Froze him, yeah. Crazy. Yeah. And yeah. that knockout by Marab against Raytheon Stotts on Dana White looking for a fight back in the day, I, that was a huge fight, and there was a lot of build-up yeah. to that fight. And so uh, we were talking about maybe, you know, some of the greatest knockouts in UFC history, and if you consider the stakes of a, a title fight between Anderson Silva and Vitor Belfort, you know, maybe somehow in your mind this Buckley KO doesn't hold up. But, uh, again, this is this is the top spot or 1A, I think, for a lot of people, Ray. And, uh, again, we talk about calf kicks and things of effectively changing the game perhaps a knockout like this Kenny you know really will affect change and, and give guys some pause when it comes to uh holding on to that secondary leg for too long yeah no crazy I mean really just was was crazy and uh you know you know it's funny like uh it, like in marketing like if this guy wants to make a business card that would be like the worst thing he could do they tell you don't put no head kicks on because people are going to perceive it as not that they could do that that they're going to get hit with that. You know what I mean? So right, right. keep that away, you know, because everybody's going to perceive it differently and they're going to see it as like they want, you know, you think they you want people to see it like this is what you'll be able to do if you train at the school and everybody's going, right. holy shit, I don't want to get kicked in the face like that. What are you That's a great point. It's, yeah, it's really right. just crazy, crazy. That thing caught me by surprise and I think that was ph phenomenal. Yeah, right in the grill, as in on the street, no mouthpiece, you lose your four front teeth. Well, I'm, not, I'm not sure a mouthpiece would save it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm glad he didn't lose his teeth because he probably, I don't know, but he probably got hit more in the forehead because that sound was crazy. Nasty. Yeah. Na nasty. That was really nasty. So uh, speaking of nasty, the spinning wheel kick gets it done for Corey Sandhagen against Magic Marlon Madison. I know it's hard to talk about this result 
without bringing up Aljamain Sterling, who is clearly this division's number one contender and next title challenger. But what did you make of what was obviously a big fight uh, in Aljo's division over the weekend? Wow, what a, you know, I think uh, I think we all picked Sandhagen to win, but in the later rounds. But let me tell you something. He controlled that fight from the first second. I, I really, it looked like Marlon... His head wasn't there, and I, 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 to me, and Kenny, I don't know if this is a, you know, I don't know what I was looking at. It was almost like Marlon had bought into everybody's uh, analysis that if it goes into the later rounds, he's going to gas out. So it looked like he started maybe conserving himself instead of being the Marlin that's a complete wrecking machine. Yeah, maybe he started. Let me let me pace myself for the first two rounds, and then it was it was too late. It completely backfired because the other guy's got a high pace. He looked completely relaxed. It was oh, uh, did he ever. What, a, what a great performance by Corey Sandhagen coming off the loss to Aljo. I mean, you know, you always want to see, does it affect anybody? You know, does, do those losses have an effect? Absolutely no effect. This kid's the real deal. Uh, you know, whether he ever becomes a champion or not, he's, this is a great fighter. And I, I really... Man, Marlon just never looked like the Marlon that we, we've seen. Now, that could have been due to Corey or, you know, like, again, I think he really tried to conserve himself and relax the, you know, that first round. And that's where he made the mistake, man. He wasn't the explosive Marlin. And, you know, again, Sandhagen's movement was beautiful. So he never let him, he never stood in front of him. If you look at most of those kicks that he lands, everybody's standing still right in front of him. And Corey did a great job with the movement, switching stances. Great, great fight to watch, man. I, I enjoyed the hell out of that fight. Yeah, that's interesting when you sort of set it up. It makes me think about Paulo Costa against Israel Adesanya. And if you're Marlon Marais, right, you're the headlining athlete. You got all these media obligations. And, Kenny, you're asked all week about your conditioning and how, how Marlon, are yeah. you possibly going to survive if this yeah. fight goes to a fourth round? And I do think that can get into an athlete's head. I I, I don't want to take anything away from Sanhagen, and I know Ray is not trying to do that either, no, Kenny, definitely, but definitely uh, I would agree with what Ray is saying in terms of Marlon's uh, energy. He just didn't look like the, the killer we have come to know and love. Uh, both of you guys made uh, great points because – you know, a, a lot of times, you know, uh, those media obligations, you just don't want to do them because you're cutting weight and it's annoying. But absolutely, these little thoughts get into your head as well. Um, and it can really be like a poison, right? So um, I, I think that can be a factor for a lot of people, especially, you know, experiencing, you know, maybe not too main, many main events in the UFC. But I, and I agree with Ray. I think that maybe he was thinking too much about the fact that it was a five round fight. He didn't want to gas again like he's done in previous fights, really wanted to pace himself, uh, especially against a busy fighter like a Corey Sanhagen. So, yeah, th these are all things that can really screw you up as a fighter. Yeah. And I'll tell you another thing, Kenny, too. Uh, uh, you know, the, and the, the other th and this this could never be proved. And it's definitely a mental thing. But. Look, we've seen him with uh, – it started with Cejudo, right? He started to gas out, and Cejudo wins the fight. But then he he, he has a, a really good fight with, with Jose Aldo, and he wins the fight. And what do they do? They fuck him. They give the other guy the title shot. So mentally, he's already taking a beating about something. You know what I mean? And these are the things that – you know, we're human. Everybody's human. They have right. to get to you and, and forget about being human. Then you got all the, 
the crazy people talking to you that don't know what the fuck they're talking about. And they just make that situation worse. But that guy won a fight. And he got totally skipped over. And he's facing a guy. That's a great point, Ray. And he's facing a guy who lost in the first round his last fight. So he's thinking, what the hell do I have? To, what do I have to gain? Yeah, for this fight? I, I beat him. That's what I'm supposed to do. If I lose, you know, I go from a hero to zero. It's crazy. Exactly. So I think that's what we, we kind of looked at a totally confused Marlon Moraes in there against a guy that could put on a heavy pace that was never going to gas. And I think that all just came to fruition in the octagon last night, that's what we saw. But but man, first off, great performance by San Diego. Hundred percent, not wouldn't take anything away. Look, we know the guy's the real deal anyway. You know what I mean? So right, this right. was a, this was a big fight, and man, did that kid come through in flying colors, man? Hats off to him. Well, and Marlon Marais historically would not be a guy that I would be looking to fade at the window. Translation, not a guy that I would be looking to bet against, right? But I think a lot of us just felt so strongly about Corey Sanhagen and think so highly of him that we felt like he was going to be able to put that Aljamain Sterling result off in the distance and execute it. And he certainly did that. Uh, what'd you make of Edson Barboza? I mean, I just have so much respect for this man's career. And again, another opponent that can be tricky and, and just total domination. I thought for Edson Barboza, what'd you think of the co-main Ray? Yeah, no, they gave, I think it was a great fight for Barboza to get back on track. Um, you know, he's superior striker. Uh, his takedown defense is, is really good. Uh, you know, I think, you know, you look at a fight with Khabib and you think, oh, no, Khabib got him down. But that's how good Khabib is. This guy was nowhere near doing that. You know what I mean? So sometimes it looks easy on the outside what's going on. But then you get in there and it's a totally different ball game. But I really think it puts puts into perspective, not not that we need to know how we know Khabib is great, but that puts in perspective how great Khabib is. He yeah. he tortured Barboza, and Barboza, yeah, has a great fight, deserved the win. Uh, you know, another guy who's been mentally beat up, and I think he even played it more conservative for a Barboza that we know. But he wanted the W, and he, you know, like again, what do I have to do to get a W? The, the other fights were wars with Ige and uh, Felder, uh, and I think a lot of people thought that Barboza won. So there's another guy. You could see how happy he was to finally get a W. I, mean, I don't even think he was sure he got it. That's how, you know, traumatized the guy was from his right. past couple of fights. But right. that's off to Barboza. He's, look, the guy's been around forever. Uh, he's a great fighter. Uh, and, you know, 145, let's see, let's see what happens, you know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that, 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 look, that fight wasn't as exciting as his other, the previous fights he's had that he's had losses in. And I think he, you know, like, again, he did what he had to do. Uh, he looked great. But he, he, even when you listen to him talk, man, he wanted that W, man. He, yeah. you, know, yeah. it, you know, it's horrible. That's where the judges, you know, when they, they screw up a fight, man, there's a, it, there's a lot of um, collateral damage, mostly mental. And, you know, you have to be able to get over that stuff. And I'm happy he did because he's, uh, he's a great fighter and uh, looks like he's back on track. And I, I think, just like watching him do it. Like I want, I love watching everything he does. And I just think everything he does is electric. He always wants to be there. Uh, yeah. He's even when he's defensive, right. Even when he's sprawling, I'm enjoying watching him compete. So uh, he's got a big fan in me. Hey, I got one more thing. And unless Ken Flo has something uh, on the way out, we'll let you get your day going a little bit early today. Uh, but Brian T city Ortega is fighting the Korean zombie Chan Sung Jung in the fight Island main event this weekend. We will need a prediction from you. And I know I'm, 
I'm a little late on some of your uh, your checks. They're in the mail, I think. Uh, but <laughs> Henner Gracie is T-City's chief corner, and he tested positive for COVID-19. He had had it like a month prior. The UFC sent all of us a kit that we did a home test. So I did the home test a few days ago. I'm waiting on that result. But Henner passed his home test. But then when he went to Las Vegas to quarantine, he tested positive. So he couldn't go to Fight Island with T-City. And I'm asking you, and maybe you'll deflect. I'm really asking both of you guys. But as much respect as you want to give the athlete and say he can rely on his ability and his mental toughness to get through that, I just think it's a disadvantage and a big one for T-City to be on Fight Island without his head coach in, in a fight that he wants in the worst way. Uh, well, look, first of all, it, it, it absolutely depends on the relationship that they have. You know what I mean? I don't know that relationship, but if if they had a very close relationship, that's a huge disadvantage. Uh, but, you know, I have a lot of guys in the gym now and, the, you know, with this whole, you know, COVID-19 uh, stuff going on, people, they, I, I can't be there. So, you know, I take a different approach even during the camps and, you know, they know, you know, I, I made it really clear, man, look, there's going to be sometimes I can go, sometimes I can't go. But look, the guys, there's a lot of guys fighting out of the gym there. They'll, they'll, they'll go and fight for the guys that are at the beginning level. They just want to get fights and they're going to, they're going to fight. And there's so many good guys in the gym. They can go with, I don't think that's a problem at the upper echelon. When you've been with a guy for 10 years or whatever, you know, like, again, we're talking about all the mental aspects. So even if you're superstitious, you want certain guys in the corner, even if they're a good luck charm, it doesn't even matter. You know, you, that's in your brain. Perception is reality. And uh, it would it really depends on what those two guys have going. It looks like they have a great relationship. So I'm saying it's a big disadvantage. Yeah. Ken Flo, you know how close Henner Gracie and Brian Ortega yeah. are. Uh, I think Henner's just going to be sitting on his couch trying to figure out a way to FaceTime his ass into that corner. Uh, yeah. I feel for Ortega. I really do. He's an emotional guy, not necessarily an emotional fighter, but I think this is going to take a little bit of a fight week toll on him, if I'm being honest. You know, absolutely. Listen, I think it's more than just a coach-fighter relationship. Uh, Henner has been mentoring uh, Brian Ortega since he was a kid, um, literally. I mean, so – that's going to be tough. I mean, even just uh, in fight week preparation, keeping his head yeah. right, saying right. the right things. And Henner is a very uh, wise coach as well. He's a guy who knows how to keep a level head. He's been in a lot of big fights before. They've been together for many of those fights. And I, I agree with Ray. I think it could definitely affect him during the fight because there's the other thing, right? Because who's going to replace him? Some guy who he's not going to be so sure is giving me giving him the same kind of advice. It's one thing he could he could say the exact same words, but if it's not coming from a guy that you know is is looking out for you and that's been with you for you know well over a decade, you're going to be a little hesitant in taking that advice. That's just a fact. And right? Man, so, let me add, let me add one more thing. Okay, let me interrupt. Yeah. It'll all be good when it's going good. The problem is going to be when you hit a little adversity, that's where it gets really rough, where you're used to a, a safety net, and now it's not there like Kenny says. You know, like it could be the same words. You you might process that. What are you just regurgitating what, what uh, Ray would have said? Or, you know, look, with, with those things, that's why I went to those parades, man. I couldn't be there. And I'm telling you right now, the, the first one was like, I, I just feel lost, man. I don't like this. Uh, I got to show these guys, you know, even though I couldn't go because everybody was confused as to, you know, is this thing real? What's going on? I just had to do something to say, man, I'm with you, man. I, this is the best I could do. 
But, you know, we're rallying the troops. You got people behind you. And, you know, thank God, you know, a lot of those things did work out good. But that's really where that came from is just uh, yeah. feeling like, holy shit, man. I mean, they, you know, they have to know that people love them, I think, is really important and they're behind them. So that's, you know, in my head, that's where I came up with that. But, you know, like while I was sitting back and, you know, I'd make calls to, you know, guys that were out in Vegas. I'm like, really? You're, you're fucking rock climbing with Aljo? He's jumping rocks like, you know, like, yeah, a, right. are you crazy? Right. Get him back. You know, the, 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 don't get the guy hurt before the fight, you know. So yeah. uh, it's it's all it's all it's all good. But when these things come up, I mean, I think you'll go to, you know, they're going to go to route that, look, I can't be there. It's. You know, there's no way, and just you got to do yeah. it. Well, your your oh, parade, your parade thing was a stroke of genius. We'll see if Header employs something similar. Maybe he'll get hit on on a fucking tricycle out there in Southern California. <laughs> they can do a little parade for T City. All right, man, we're gonna let you get on with your Sunday. I don't know what the average American man does uh, that doesn't watch the NFL on a on an autumn Sunday, but uh, we wish you all the best being a lifelong martial artist there in Garden City, New York, on your exactly. Sunday. Okay? It's called training. That's what I'm doing. Today. Oh, a little dig hey. at the mainstream sports guy. I, I, understand. I understand. Hey, real real quick, uh, you know, I've been working with uh, a really nice kid, young young kid, is an Israeli kid, Aviv Ghazali, fights Thursday night at the Mohegan Sun. You know, he's just starting his career out. He's I really uh, he's really just a nice kid. His jiu-jitsu is off the hook, and he's got great MMA jiu-jitsu. I think you'll like him, uh, and he's a sweetheart, man. He's really turned out to be a nice kid. So uh, that's the other thing I'll be doing on Sunday instead of watching the NFL. I'll be going up to the Mohegan Sun. All right, well, you, wow. well, you travel luck, safely. Man. Bring yeah. some extra scrunchies and hair ties in case you want to put that <laughs> shit back. <laughs> hey, hey, real quick, what home test did they send you? Was it the saliva test or? So it was a nasal test, right? And oh, unlike wow. every previous nasal test I have done, I'm coming up on 40 COVID-19 tests, right? But unlike every previous navel, nasal test, I had to go both nostrils. But I will say when you're doing it to yourself, and she says, you know, big circles as far as you can go until it hurts, you know, keep going, keep going, big circles up your note, whatever the fuck she's saying, right? Like, yeah. I'm trying to do right by her over Zoom. So I feel like it was the most thorough COVID-19 test I could have possibly had. Then I take it out and she goes, now do the same thing in the other nostril. So <laughs> I don't have the result back. But if this one comes back negative, uh, I'm going to feel pretty good uh, flying to Vegas. But, yes, it was a nasal. Oh, because they, they gave me the saliva test. Anybody ever do that one? And they tell you not to drink water for a half hour. You know what that looks like? Having to fill up like an inch of saliva. <laughs> Dude, I mean, Kenny, it was like the, <laughs> the, the girl. And I and it was a real pretty girl. I guess I don't know if she was a doctor. It's just somebody. What? Yeah, she hung up on me. She's not. This is going to take a while. Listen, this. I wasn't even close, Kenny. Not even close to filling that thing up. Ray, it could be worse. It, it, you know, they could have tested COVID with with for for anal tests. So, yeah, listen, let's just be without thankful. It, without a doubt, be thankful. But there's some people really disappointed about that, Kenny. I'm not going to name names or nothing, obviously. But <laughs> well, on I mean, that note, very disappointed. <laughs> All right, so, a totally uh, different test. So your homework for next week is just to get a loom cube or some light on your face so we could see just how pretty those eyes are. Uh, and then we just need a prediction on uh, the main event between T-City and the Korean zombie Chan Sung Jung. Yeah. Chan Sung Jung, about a two-to-one favorite, Ray. What do you think on the main event on the way out? Uh, you know, based on even what we just said, I'm going with uh, the Korean zombie. All right. 
the Korean zombie is the pick. Keep it nice and simple. For Raymond Peter Longo. Hey, thanks for answering the bell this morning. We appreciate it. Uh, are you kidding me? Are you kidding? Well, we will be back into our Monday night slot, I believe, next week. I will be quarantined in my room uh, on Flight Island, so I look forward wow. to uh, reconnecting with you then, my friend. All right. Listen, buddy, safe trip as always, and uh, I'm 100% sure that test is coming back negative for you. Thank you, my man. Hey, safe travels to Mohegan Sun. We'll talk right. to you next week. Thanks, guys. Good luck, Ray. Take care. All Thank right. you. There he is, the Ray Longo Minute, star of the fucking show every week here on the Anik and Florian podcast. I quickly would like to do the pronunciation of the week here right now, Cody Merrow, if I could do that. And I like that you're doing this after pounding a couple shots. Was that tequila that you poured down your gullet there a couple minutes ago or what? That was Jaeger. Yeah. Oh, fuck, man. Yeah. So I went to uh, Gettysburg College in Pennsylvania, Theta Chi fraternity, and my family bottle, right? You had to do bottle night where you drink a bottle as fast as you can with your big brother. And our family bottle was Jägermeister. So I took like 11 shots of Jäger in 11 minutes. It was the greatest buzz of my life, but I have not had a single shot of Jägermeister since. So you go with Jäger early morning on a Sunday. Ouch. It's just what I had. It was Jaeger or Bailey's. And I wasn't about to get on here and take right. shots of Bailey's and go to the audience yeah. like, oh, I'm taking shots of Bailey's. <laughs> All right, well, I'd be like uh, coming on here and shotgun in a white claw. You know what I mean? Well, it was lost on Longo, but we certainly saw you take those two shots and we know you make good on your bets. So let's see how you do with the pronunciation of the week. This man competes in the co-main event this weekend. He will take on the UFC newcomer Ante D'Elia. I think that's right because we don't have a file yet on Ante D'Elia, but Cody Merrow, of whom am I speaking? So I'm fairly confident about the last name here, avid MMA fan. I've heard the name before. The first okay. name I think is going to trip me up, Cyril Gan. All right, let's hear him say it. Cyril Gan. So uh, Ken Flo, I mean, you're the judge. I, I, I love when you say it's a no for me, dog. What do you think? Uh, <laughs> I got the slow one. I got the slow clip if that's going to do me any more favors. Do you want to flow? Yeah, let me, let me, yeah, let me hear it again. Let me hear it again. Cyril Gann. Cyril Gann. Cyril Gann. He's not even close, Ken Flo. I mean, no spoilers, but... Uh, Ghana. It, it seems like he's saying Ghana. At some point, it sounds like he's saying gun, like what Cody said. And then at another point, it's like Ghana. Right? So it's I don't Ghana. Know. It's Ghana yeah, like Ghana. Okay. So my okay. phonetic would be G-H-A-N-A. So you're right, Cody. Not the easiest file to, uh, to interpret necessarily. Cyril is a tough first name. I remember yeah. when we had Cyril Asker in the heavyweight division. Yes. And people want to just be like, dude, it's fucking Cyril Asker. OK, <laughs> but Cyril is a tough name because technically you're supposed to emphasize the real and not the C. So, it's yes, Cyril Ghana. And that's a no for me, Cody Merrow. But I love uh, uh, Well, look, we're just going to address the elephant in the room. Last week, you said I was cheating. I mean, you would have known if I had cheated that one because I would have said Ghana. I would have overemphasized it. I would have had it right. Whatever. I'll take the loss on this one. Cody, I tried, man. I was going to try to hook you up there. But, <laughs> I appreciate it, Flo. Yeah. All right. You know, we love you. Chief marketing officer, executive producer, Cody Merrow. All right. Let's make some picks. It is UFC fight night. It is the Korean zombie. It is T-City. It is coming up Saturday night. I think it's on ESPN plus either way. Let's get you some picks in the main event challenge. 
This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. So when you are at your best, you can do great things, but sometimes life gets you bogged down and you may feel a touch overwhelmed. Perhaps you're not showing up the way that you would like to. I can certainly relate. You know, there's a phrase in the song, there's no business like show business, and it says there's no people like show people. They smile when they are low. And for me, being in the public eye has been challenging, at least in terms of always projecting happiness when perhaps that's not how I'm feeling. Well, whatever your situation, working with a therapist can help you get closer to the best version of you. And when you feel empowered, you're more prepared to take on everything that life throws your way. For me, it's imperative that I'm my best self in order to just perform at a high level. And when I don't feel that way, BetterHelp is a great option and a great resource for therapy. It's convenient, flexible, affordable, and entirely online. You just fill out a brief questionnaire. That gets you matched with a licensed therapist. You can switch out anytime for no additional charge if you're not happy. For me, I'm on the road about 100 nights a year, so being able to connect with someone remotely was absolutely huge for me. And my mindset really candidly has changed for the better. So if you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Florian today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Florian. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the main event challenge. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. All right, today's main event challenge is brought to you by MyBookie, where Ian Parker and I both have accounts and have been betting daily for years. And winning season now returns at MyBookie. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. It means insane props, epic bonuses, and the craziest cross-sport wagers out there. At MyBookie, winning season means watching live sports and betting on live sports all season long. And I think for most daily bettors like Ian, like myself, we're rejoicing because the NFL has returned for however long, but that means action-packed Sundays and huge cash prizes. The UFC is also live every weekend, so a lot of opportunities to bet there as well. So why not get in on the action? Use promo code ANICFLORIAN and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. So bet with the best this NFL season for your chance to win big. Use promo code ANICFLORIAN. That's one word, ANICFLORIAN, and double your first deposit. Your winning season begins today only at my bookie. And with that, we welcome in the duck, Ian Parker. So another sub-500 week for you at 1-2. and two. Ken Flo nailed Sanhagen. He goes 2-1, and one, wins the week by that margin, 2-1. It is now 126 to 125. Team Anna, captained by Ian Parker, has the lead, albeit by just one point. It's good to see you, Ian. What's going on? I've probably been watching that Buckley uh, kick from the shadow realm at least a thousand times. I can't believe you learned that stuff at Meraki BJJ. It's amazing what you guys do over there. It's uh, <laughs> it's pretty wild. You know, it's funny. I, I can't tell you how many times people probably practice shit like that in the gym. Just the minute that hit, Impa just went, oh, it's just, that was a thing of beauty. I hope he really got the $200,000 bonus that Dana, I, re- I heard he said something like that. If ever a bonus deserved that level of money, that was definitely it. Wow. Wow. 
Yeah, pretty insane what Joaquin Buckley was able to do over the weekend. We can't say his name enough today, but I'm not mincing words with Ian Parker. You know that you have a long-term spot on this podcast, so I don't want you to worry, right? The question (laughs) beckons, though, what exactly is the nature of that long-term spot? We appreciate your commitment to the podcast. Even more so than that, you know I appreciate your friendship. But if you want to guarantee that you are our primary handicapper for 2021, you know what you got to do. You got to beat this fucking guy. He's showing you the door right now, by the way. He basically, sir, if you could just, this is the exit right here, sir. You can, please, thank you for eating with us that you could just, there's the door right there. You know, it's amazing. We get these um, breakdowns in the podcast of what we're going to do. And every time I come on, it's not what we say we're going to do. I got to defend myself right out the gate from my so-called team partner here. Uh, Pretty sure that we're still up by one. Look. Last night, on a betting standpoint, no, I said I would not bet the Sanhagen Marlon Marais fight. Right, uh, right. I thought that first round, both guys looked pretty good. That that knockout from Corey Sanhagen was exactly what he needed to bounce back off of that hard loss to Aljo Marais. I don't know where he goes from there. He's got to really take a step back and breathe and figure out maybe take a little bit of a step back and fight someone that's uh, not top three. To be honest, I think he needs to figure himself out. You know, a guy who's not right. was never finished getting finished back to back. That's really rough. Uh, ben Rothwell, I think Kenny, I can, I think I can speak for both of us, put it, throwing 150 punches in round one for a heavyweight, uh, didn't, you know, and he was, you know, and Tabura was taking a lot of shots. I, I was liking it, but he didn't even mix up any takedowns with it. He didn't mix up the clinch at all. He was just throwing these bear claws. And what did I say in the breakdown? If he doesn't throw himself off balance, he should be okay. He was throwing himself off balance a lot in a that lot, fight. Yeah. And Tabura was taking advantage. And then for Tabura to be able to take him down that late, where Rothwell was exhausted. The jiu-jitsu game was no longer a factor. So he fought very smart. He rope-a-doped in the first round with that output. I didn't see that coming, even though Tuber was on a little bit of a winning streak. I just felt the experience. That was just a weird mistake from Rothwell. But uh, I will do better. I I'm just fucking with you. I see a big week coming for you. You're right. You still have the lead. And, it's uh, totally fine. Listen, it, listen. You know and what? we'll if talk you about your contract me, off the air. Yeah, listen, if you fire me, at least I know Zach Candido will uh, keep putting my tweets on, and people seem to love that shit. So, uh, whatever. Look, Ray Longo, love- will have, Ray Longo will have to just take my spot and make picks. You'll just have to have him on much longer. It'll be people- the Ray Longo 45 minutes. People will uh, – hopefully Longo doesn't hear back talking about him taking your spot or anything like that because uh- – I love Ray. All right, we're going to get to some picks right here, and we'll see how it goes for you. Jonathan Martinez is going to fight Thomas Almeida. As of this taping, there is no betting line. We are going to proceed as if Martinez is a slight favorite. We'll pivot if that is inaccurate, but a little setup for you, Ian. Almeida was 20-0 and at one point in time, entering that May of 2016 main event against Cody Garbrandt. That main event actually was the brainchild of Lorenzo Fertitta, but Garbrandt KO'd Almeida. And now Thomas Almeida has just one win in the four-plus years since. He draws Jonathan Martinez now instead of Alejandro Perez. It's also happening at 45 instead of 35. Your thoughts on Almeida, Ian, against Jonathan Martinez? This is a tough fight for both guys here stylistically. I don't think Martinez has fought someone as high level as Almeida. And Almeida being out for as long as he has does concern me a little bit. However, for Thomas Almeida to get back on track and consider himself a top seven rank, eight rank fighter at the moment, he has to win this fight. So I'm going to go based on him having to win at this point in his career. We know he's got the tools. 
All right. We know he's got the skills. He's very well-rounded. He just can't get into a slugfest. He can't do kind of what Cody Garbrandt does in his losses and swing for the fences and do it to try and prove he can knock people out. He's got to use his ground game here because Martinez can take punches. He could also deliver them. I, Kenny just gave me a smirk, a smirk. I think he's going Martinez. So I'm going to stick with Almeida here. I may change his stuff. I do have to watch a little bit more of more of Martinez, but this the time, as you say, John, the time is now. Almeida's got to do it, so I'm going there. Ken Flo, Jonathan Martinez trying to make it three wins in his last four. Third appearance for him in 2020. Your thoughts? I was laughing. Uh, I was laughing at Ian's ability to butcher anyone's name. It does not matter who. It, it's, right. it's Garbrandt or Garbrandt. He turned him into a Frenchman. I don't know how the hell. How do you do that? I, it's, 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 it's a skill <laughs> that is just to... unbelievable. I'm trying to bring a different level of class to the show. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Little, if that's the uh, car brand. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That was very nice. Very Cody, elegant. Kenny doesn't, Cody, Kenny doesn't like you. You can go get him. <laughs> well, you'd be surprised. Right. Kenny actually had my back today in the pronunciation of the week, I did. which, I did. which we have as a Frenchman. <laughs> and I can, I can, we can give Ian a try at the pronunciation if that's the road we want to go down. I mean, I have wait, the file. Wait, 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 wait. If you think I was talking about you as Cody going after Kenny Florian, not Cody Garbrandt, you're out of your mind. I don't know. Oh, well, I just, bag. I assume that you were going with the better looking Cody in your life. So that I'm sorry that I made that mistake in, but still Cody Garbrandt, but you're fine. I still love you. Cody Mero. All right. So listen, um, I, I, th- I actually, I agree with Ian. I, I think Thomas Almeida, um, is going to win this fight. I, I don't think it's an easy fight. Um, but, uh, you know, he's been struggling a little bit as of late, but I do like the matchup for him. I do think it's a better matchup. I think the big question for him is, is he getting better defensively? And what's his mental state at? If he's, if he's able to be solid on both those areas, I think he should win this fight. And at times we do remind you that we make these picks early on during fight week, because even just look very quickly, I'll say this at Ben Rothwell and Marcin Tabora, right? I'm not boots on the ground. I'm not there during fight week. I'm not doing a fighter meeting with Marcin Tabora, but had I been there, maybe I would have seen that physical transformation. Maybe I would have seen that just mentally he appeared to be in a much better place than fights prior, you know? So when you're there, it's a lot different. And so as we sit here and pick Thomas Almeida, right? As fight week goes on, Ken Flo, You obviously reserve the right to change your selection. All right, at light heavyweight, Jimmy Crude, a large favorite here, Ian, minus 340, going for two straight wins against the no longer a UFC rookie, Modestus Bukowskis. He comes back at plus 280. I got a lot of thoughts on this fight, Ian Parker, but the floor is not mine. It's yours. So tell me who wins it, Jimmy Crude or Modestus Bukowskis? You know, I think that line's a little wider than I'd like here. You know, I, I, I do. And that's just because of sometimes the positions that crew puts himself in, you know, he sometimes relies a little too much fighting off his back. I think he is a special talent. I think he's got the skills. I think his striking game has come a long way. If he is okay with being on his back for this fight, he will lose a decision. It's not a smart move. He's got to be the aggressor. And if he wants to bring this fight to the ground, he's got to go where his jujitsu is at his biggest strength. And that's being on top. I am going to go Jimmy Crute here. I think he deserves to be the favorite. I'm just hoping that, again, this is not a fight where you want to be on your back and be comfortable. So I'm hoping the striking game puts it together and he can surprise him, put him on his opponent's back and get the fight there. So I'm going crude. Ken Flo, I love the pedigree on both of these guys. Bukowskis was pretty impressive, I thought, in his UFC debut, despite a little bit of an anticlimactic end to the fight. Uh, your thoughts on his second UFC start here against the prohibitively favored uh, Jimmy Crute? Yeah, for Bukowskis, is that right? Um, nailed it. You know, nailed it. Yeah, I, I think I, I think he's a, a solid fighter. You know, um, 
I don't know if you know his opponent got me excited enough for me to say that he's going to win this fight necessarily, but he certainly has a whole lot of potential. I I just don't know enough or seen enough from him. So I, I do think Jimmy Crute does have potential, though. Um, and I, I thought Ian did a great job of breaking down that fight. I think that uh, he's got to fight smarter and he's got to understand what the judges are looking at uh, and understand where he's strong and where he's weak. Um, and I think he's if he's able to do that, I think he can win this fight. I, th I think that he does have some power. He's got some speed. He moves pretty well for a big guy. Um, I'll go with Crute as well. All right, both guys like Jimmy Crute in that minus 340 range, or at least they like him to win the fight. Now we move on to the UFC flyweight division. I think this is a fascinating matchup between the possible future Hall of Famer and former UFC strawweight champion Jessica Andrade. She is a minus 145 favorite here against the American Caitlin Chukagian, who is the plus 125 underdog. We'll have Ken Foe lead us off here. So, Kenny, Andrade, I say Hall of Famer because she's done more than basically every woman in the UFC other than Amanda Nunes and Ioana Jacek. You know, Ronda Rousey, of course, right? But, I mean, 18th UFC appearance for Jessica Andrade, and she's moving up in weight here for however long trying to avoid a third straight loss on paper. What do you think about Andrade here taking on Caitlin Chukagian? You know, Chukagian uh, isn't an easy girl to fight. Um, I think she is more well-rounded and more skilled than a lot of people give her credit for. Right. Um, I think she's good at kind of sticking and moving, and I think she should get off to a good start. I think Andrade, um, sometimes it takes her a little bit to, to warm up too. So I think um, this is an interesting fight. I think if... Andrade is able to get to that clinch and make it a nasty fight. She can't make it a technical fight. Otherwise, Chikagian is just kind of going to uh, kind of outpoint her round after round. Um, but I think uh, Andrade takes this. I do think she takes it. I, I do think she's going to be able to uh, get the fight to the ground, um, work some takedowns, work some ground and pound. There's just not a whole lot of women in either division who are going to be as strong as her. And as you mentioned, has a ton of experience. Um, we have seen improvement for the most part in her game pretty consistently. Um, and yeah, I, I think Andrade takes this one. How about that third round by Jessica Andrade against Rose Nama Yunus on Fight Island? I walked into the hotel lobby. I said, Andrade, I was like, you won that third round 10-8, honey. That's a draw for me. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Chukagian on the other side, Ian Parker. So humbled by Valentina Shevchenko. But a very interesting ju juxtaposition because she then fought her sister, Antonina Shevchenko, mm. and looked really good. That was a unanimous decision win for Caitlin Chukagian. Your thoughts on her here as the dog against Jessica Andrade? When I when you texted me yesterday, who did I tell you I was going to pick? In this fight? Yes. I do not remember. Mm. He loves our friendship. Um, Caitlin, <laughs> I'm going to look right now. I'm going to no, go. I, I, I can't butcher the name. Yeah, that was me trying to get John to say the last name, so I didn't butcher it. How about that? That didn't even work at all, Kenny. Kenny, I tried so hard to get him to do it. All right, so Go your ahead. text says, might take Chukagian, and I was putting my son to sleep, and I missed the text. I don't know what to tell you. Text was at 2 p.m., but it's okay. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> so I am going to go Caitlin Chukagian here. Here's the reason why I say that. Um, Jessica Andrade does not do well against lengthy fighters. Against Rose, those first two rounds, she couldn't get in. To Kenny's point, if she gets into the clinch and lands a takedown, that's the Andrade we all know, the intensity, the power. But she's going up a weight class against not a small and not a weak fighter in Caitlin either. I think Caitlin's got the ground game, okay, the top game as well. She may 
go for the takedown. She uses her distance really well. That jab is very, very good. And she's a very smart fighter. She is not the brawler. She is the technician. And I think Andrade, even though Kenny thinks that she has evolved, I actually disagree. I have not seen that level of evolution. I just think she's a top fighter forever in either division because of her athleticism and because of her skills and just how good she is overall. However, against someone who's going to be so much taller than her, who knows how to use the distance and knows how to win by points, I think this is where the underdog is a valuable play. And I don't know if her strength plays as big as factor in this weight class. Give me the underdog in this one, John. I don't think I said evolved. I think I said got better. Chukagian uh, is the there a pick. difference? Okay, there is a difference. There's definitely a difference. All right. All right. I can so get better with my boxing, even though I started off as a boxer, or I can evolve and become a, a better wrestler and uh, better jujitsu and right. All right, so fuck me then. I will then say uh, I don't think she's gotten any better. Um, I just think that her game that has gotten her to where she is success-wise, she has stuck to that. And I think that third round to John's point was impressive. I think Rose just kind of took the foot off the pedal a little bit because of the amount of output she put in rounds one and two. I'm still not changing my pick, but Kenny, I apologize if that, that offended you. <laughs> All right, co-main <laughs> event. Cyril Ghana, the prohibitive minus 600 favorite, now that our entire audience knows what that word means, against the promotional newcomer, Ante D'Elia, who returns fire as a plus 450 underdog. We will need the round and the method of victory. Ian, you will lead us here. So quickly on Ante D'Elia, only one loss in nine fights dating to 2014. Came against the aforementioned Marcin Tibora. Not sure, Ian, if you saw that fight in preparation for today's podcast, but I went and watched the film. He fucking broke his leg kicking Tibora's knee in round one. So they call him Walking Trouble. What a great fucking nickname, huh? Walking Trouble, straight out of Croatia, Ante Delia. What does he have for Cyril Ghana, Ian? What do you think? I still like Ghana here. I think this is someone who's also special in, in the heavyweight division. I think he's proven he's not just a knockout artist. You know, it's interesting how he went from being super active and then, you know, a bunch of cancellations. I, I think this is going to be a pretty easy win for him here. It's hard, you know, what do you call him? Walking Trouble? That's his nickname. That is pretty wild. How good uh, is that, right? That, that, the backyard shed, walking trouble. You yeah, know, these, these are these are something special here. I still think Ghana's. This is uh, his fight to win. I'll even say round. This is one we have to pick around. It four. is. I'll still say. I'll say round one knockout. It, it's hard to picture a lot of guys until he gets to a true top seven guy. I don't see many guys be able to out muscle him, outstrike right. him. You know, and the athleticism. He's also shown that IQ. He's not afraid to work submissions if it's there. So I'm, I'm going that way. And for the record, I did not come up with walking trouble, Ken Flo. I did come up with the backyard shed for Alir Latifi and, and <laughs> so good. the king so of Kenosha good. and a few others, Mississippi mean, but walking trouble, uh, I cannot claim. I think that's what I'm going to start calling my son. What do you think about walking trouble though here, Ken Flo? Against, uh, <laughs> Ghana. Uh, they're both great. Um, so Ghana, uh, I, I think, I, I do think uh, this fight is going to end in knockout either way. Uh, but I do like Ghana as well. Unfortunately, I can't go the other way here. Um, but uh, I agree with Ian. I, I do think he's probably going to be the cleaner striker. Um, again, it, it's hard to predict these fights with both these guys. A lot of power in there. Uh, but uh, I think Ghana takes this one uh, by knockout. Let's go. We, 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 you need a round, right? I do, if you got one. Let's go uh, round one, knockout. All right, round one. 
for Cyril Ghana. And that brings us to the main event. We will have Ken Flo lead this week. Oh. And this one's been brewing for a long time. This heat is real. The Korean zombie Chan Sung Jung, a minus 185 betting favorite against Brian Ortega, who is plus 160. We'll need the round, the method, all that stuff. So on paper, a little setup for you, Flo. Ortega has not fought in nearly two years. It was December of 2018. And that was his first pro loss. It came against Max Holloway. Then this fight with the Korean zombie initially going to go down December of 2019. Ortega pulls out due to injury. There was an altercation between Ortega and someone in Chan Sung Jung's camp, an interpreter. I believe the rapper Jay Park is his name. Um, So we asked our Anakin Florian podcast audience today, our Twitter poll question, which guy is more likely to win a UFC championship? Because I think ultimately whoever wins this fight is going to be on a championship trajectory and whoever loses this fight is not going to be. So 61% said Chan Sung Jung kind of aligned with the betting line here. Chan Sung Jung minus 185. I love this fight. I'm happy to see two guys that haven't been able to compete all that often for one reason or another actually get in there. What do you think about the main event this weekend? Kenny Floyd. Jeez, um, this is a very interesting fight for a lot of reasons. Num- you know, number one, um, we haven't seen Brian Ortega in a long time. A lot of things can change in two years. Um, and I do believe he's brought in some new elements to his camp uh, to improve. I think that's a great sign. Uh, but what's not a good sign is the fact that you go against a, a dude who in Jay Park who, number one, is not a threat to him. Uh, number two is just kind of like interpreting what Korean zombie is saying. Um, and number three, it's like, it shows that Brian Ortega is really concerned, uh, with his ego, with his perception and all that stuff. And that he's emotional. That's not a good sign to me. I mean, I don't know it. Ortega is a fantastic fighter. Uh, he proved that he's one of the few guys who's willing to die in the octagon, like for real. Um, but I also think, you know what I mean? I also think Korean zombie is as well. Like he has no problems going to sleep in the middle of the octagon. He does not care. Um, I also think that Korean, that the Korean zombie might hit a little bit harder than Ortega. Uh, both these guys have power to knock someone out at 145 pounds. Um, but I remember many years ago when I was calling a fight, I saw Korean zombie in person and I was like, this dude's like, bigger than me I he's huge and I he remember. makes 145 yeah he's a massive dude um so I, I think um and he's no he's no slouch on the ground either ortega should should be better than him as far as submissions go on the ground but i don't think korean zombie is going to be uh, an easy out and he's not going to be easy to submit um i think it's going to be an absolute war i, I think it's going to be back and forth a while last but i do see uh either a knockout or a tko for Korean zombie uh, around, let's do round four. All right, Ken Flo likes the Korean zombie to get it done in the main event rounds by TKO. So one pick there for the favorite. Last decision win for Chan Sung Jung. I hate to keep bringing up Cody Merrow's age, but he was born in 1993. So Cody was 15 the last time the Korean zombie failed to put somebody away in a win. It was 2008. Puts everybody away. That includes Frankie Edgar, who, of course, stepped in for Ortega last December. Ian Parker, the Korean zombie, he's everybody's favorite fighter, right? Ortega's got a huge fan base as well. I cannot wait to see this main event. What do you think happens Saturday night? I'm all in on the Korean zombie here. Uh, There's no question in my mind. I think this is a very uh, 
Career-wise, I don't think this is the smartest fight for Brian Ortega. You know, again, sometimes I look at this on a managerial standpoint. I look on where they're going to go, how they're going to get back. I understand this is a direct ticket back to the dance, but sometimes you got to look at matchups. Sometimes if you're going to take two years off anyway, why not have it make sense? You know, I think Kenny brought up a great point. We've never seen that emotional ego of Brian Ortega and to have beef with a interpreter or a rapper that really has no impact on your life from another country that had any of us even heard of. And that's not a knock on Jay Park. I'm sure where he is, that's he, he's great, <laughs> you know, but for that to be a thing kind of throws me off a little bit. Also, uh, I know Henry Gracie's not going to be in this corner. I know Cody brought that up. We saw he tested positive for the coronavirus. So having someone who's been in there with you from day one, not there in this type of fight, kind of crazy. Uh, I'm going to go Korean zombie round three. TKO. I just don't see Ortega being able to get him down. I don't seem to be able to sub him. I don't think knocking him out unless he catches him really clean. And Korean zombie, even though he does take shots, he is definitely, he, listen, he, he's undead. Doesn't matter. He's a fucking zombie, right? He's also, but he also knows how to, he, guy knows how to fight. He's very skilled. He's not just this brawler. We just know that he can eat everything and he will take one to give you something way harder. And I think he sends Ortega to the shadow realm. I really do, as Kenny calls it. I, it's hard to not picture that from everything I've seen. So, And I would love to see Zombie fight for a title. I really would. I think that would be awesome. All right, you can see it play out on ESPN Plus this Saturday night. Uh, if you want more from the Duck, he is at Ian Parker MMA on social media. And hey, man, all the best in 2021. You know we love you. We gave you this slot, but I have handicappers literally emailing me extensive breakdowns and reaching out every week. You're my guy. We chose you. I'm just trying to light a little flame under your ass because Ken Flo's cannonball fucking coming. I mean, I'm pretty sure I had like a nine-point comeback like a week ago, and that's interesting. They're sending you these breakdowns. So uh, you know what? I'll take so threatening. 20 minutes. And I'll break these down. I don't fucking care. Put my back against the wall. That's when I fight best. I have a lead and I blow it because I get cocky. So I'd rather have this one point lead and do it the right way. Look, I do not regret my Marlon Marais pick. All right. Because sometimes the fights that you give us, no, I'm, you know what? I'm going to do this for a second. Some of these fights you give us to pick are not necessarily the ones that we would bet. And they're very challenging and they're difficult. And sometimes it's a coin flip. You know, there was some shots last night that Marais landed that could have put Sanhagen down. And they just sure. did it. Fuck it. Fuck it. He knocks him out with a wheel kick. Kenny's going to tweet me after that. He fucking predicted that one also, I'm sure. So, look. All right. Hey. hey excuses. I, I hear a lot of excuses. I'm so salty right now. Setting Josh himself up for the out. loss. Ah, dude, you had it. You were. You should have just hung up the phone and said, thank you, John. We'll see you next week. But you fucked it up, bro. I could see it. I could see your fear. I could smell that shit, dog. <laughs> Yeah, that's oh. probably just my sweat from being outside. It's fucking hot out here. But, uh, yeah, I am feeling the pressure, but it's good pressure. And uh, I'm taking Kenny's chair. I don't care. You're sitting on the floor next year. Fuck you, bro. All right, buddy. <laughs> hey, we'll talk to you uh, next Monday, and we'll get ready for, uh, for obviously the big one between Habib and Gaethje. Thanks for your time. We'll talk to you next week, kid. Love you guys. Later. All right. That does it for the main event challenge. Today's pick to click is brought to you by oddshark.com. Oddshark is your source for the latest odds from leading authorities, expert editorial content, and detailed matchup picks with expert in-depth analysis for each game. Their free statistic numbers and trends will help you make the sharp picks on game day. Head over to oddshark and start playing like a shark today. It is oddshark.com. Don't forget that second S. I was actually on oddshark.com all morning getting ready with my NFL picks. Anik 3-2, Mero 1-3-1. 
I don't love the board today, Cody Merrow. I might just tail your selection, but who do you have for us here for the NFL in week number five? Well, John, it feels like the more I talk, the worse my betting picks keep getting. So I'm going to keep it short here. Browns plus one at home against the Colts. I just like the way that the Browns look, and I don't think the Colts are very good. And, you know, the way that Kenny's on fire today, just lighting everybody up. I don't really want to be on the mic any longer. So I took shots on the podcast, feeling a little crossfaded now. I got the Browns plus one. John, I'm going to get browned out. Take us on out of here. My man, and you can further up that crossfade when we get off the air, but we'll see how it goes for your Browns. I actually like the Colts long-term as a team. I obviously gave out a winner on the Colts a couple weeks ago against the Bears, but I like the Browns play today, Cody. So uh, so we'll see if they can get it done. And I'll, I'll be quick, too. I like the Atlanta Falcons. They're at home. They're laying a point and a half against the Carolina Panthers. Dan Quinn is coaching for his job today. The Falcons are 0-4. Matty Ice, though, the Boston College graduate like Ken Flo has historically played very well against the Carolina Panthers and the Panthers don't have all their horses. So I'm rolling with the Falcons today. Short price at home against the Carolina Panthers. All right. We got to get on out of here. Ken Flo's voice has put in the overtime. Don't forget Thursday. Remember the show with Bilal Muhammad and Jason Anik will be live on this here, Anakin Florian Podcast YouTube channel. The website is live, AnakinFlorianPodcast.com. And merchandise is there if you want those Ray Longo Minute masks. We will be back with you next Monday, and we will get ready for UFC 254, Habib versus Gaethje. I can't believe we are there already. Thank you to our guests, Ray Longo and Ian Parker, Cody Merrow at the controls for Ken Flom, John Anik. Appreciate every last one of you subscribing, listening, watching. We also appreciate if you wouldn't text while you're driving. And uh, how about wearing a mask? Militich? What do you think, man? You want to put on a mask this week? We'll talk to you guys in uh, in a week. Go later. Hello, I am Dr. George Jesus Mesa, a clinical psychologist and collector of Chicano Latinx art. For generations, we have known of the healing powers of art at an individual and community level. Please join us as we interview prominent artists, collectors, curators, and influencers in the world of Chicano Latinx art. We will explore historical, regional, and political influences that impact Chicano Latinx art today. Along with our partners at www.latinoarte.com, we are preserving the colorful and rich history of Chicano Latinx art for future generations, one interview at a time. Please join us at Healing with Dr. George, the power of Chicano Latinx art, wherever you listen to podcasts. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.